Going Linux, episode 357, Run Your Business on Linux, part one. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you are new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in going Linux. We hope that you find this and all our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done. Today's episode is the first of several parts on business applications. Hi, Bill. Hey, Larry. Welcome to another exciting week in the world of Linux. Speak for yourself. <laughs> okay. Should we not get into that and move on with the show? <laughs> Probably not. Let's just go ahead. Uh, so okay. anyway... Although the title of this episode says that we are talking about running a business on Linux, we will be focusing most of our conversation beyond the operating system and onto other open source applications. Many of the open source applications we mentioned over the next few episodes are cross-platform. For new listeners, cross-platform means that they can be used not only on Linux, but on Windows or Mac OS and sometimes even the Chrome operating system. Right. And a recent article by Mitch Wagner in Light Reading, we'll have a link in the show notes, presents that open source is now a mainstream way of working for communication service providers, cloud providers, and other enterprises. In my work, I've seen this trend in these other enterprises in such industries as software as a service, biotech, high-tech, entertainment, automotive, and many, many others. Examples of big-name companies that have become open-source software developers include Oracle, which has developed their own Linux distribution, IBM, which purchased Red Hat, and Microsoft, which has included Ubuntu-based Linux command into its Windows operating system. In addition, Microsoft has recently open-sourced a significant portion of its software patent portfolio. Didn't they buy GitHub? Uh, somebody bought GitHub. Yeah, oh, was wasn't Microsoft. that Microsoft? Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Even more open-sourciness mm -hmm. from Microsoft. Um, that article uh, in Light Reading also quotes the Linux Foundation Executive Director Jim Zemlin as stating that the cost of software development just got overwhelming and, quote, there is too much software written for any one organization to write it themselves. The article continues, open source wins on speed to market and low cost. Jupiter Broadcasting referenced the light reading article in a recent episode of the podcast Linux Unplugged. It was entitled Open Source by Default. We recommend that you follow the links in the show notes to the, both the podcast and the article if you're interested at all in why Linux and open source software is now becoming the default for not only organizations running mission-critical servers, but also for application development, managing IT, and running the business. Each business is different, so each one needs different kinds of software. 
In future episodes, we'll be discussing some specific software for some examples of different kinds of businesses. In this episode, we'll stick to some applications that are common across most businesses. For the most part, we'll limit our suggestions to open source applications that run on Linux. We'll also look primarily at cross-platform applications, and we'll favor applications that are available in Linux repositories, or at least mention when they're not. Let's start with the basics like Office Suites. These include applications like a word processor, a spreadsheet, and presentation software. Many also include a program for drawing and one for creating and managing databases. Many are based on an old school Office Suite called OpenOffice. For years, OpenOffice was the default Office Suite provided with most Linux desktop distributions. Although it is still available, OpenOffice's successor, LibreOffice, has become the most popular. Both suites are available for Windows and Mac OS and happen to have components with the same name. Writer, which is the word processor, you can compare Writer with Microsoft Word or Google Documents. Calc, the spreadsheet program, compare it with uh, Microsoft Excel and Google Sheets. Impress. The presentation engine compare with Microsoft PowerPoint and Google Slides. Draw, the drawing and flowchart application compare with Microsoft Visio and with inserting a drawing into a Google Doc. Base, the database and database front end compare these with Microsoft Access. Math, for editing mathematical formulas, compare with Microsoft Equation Editor and the Auto Latex Google Docs add-on. Hmm, I didn't know they had math. I forgot about math. Yeah, yeah, that's really, really important for math teachers and anybody who deals with formulas. And uh, yeah, that Auto Latex Google Docs add-on, <laughs> that's a mouthful. Anyway. Yeah, that is a that mouthful. <laughs> it sounds kind of weird. Auto Latex. Google Docs mm -hmm. add-on. It's like, okay, could you maybe find a shorter name, Google, for something like <laughs> that? I mean, really? I mean, whew. I mean, that's the engineer name, that, that application. Yep, I think so. Anyway, <laughs> other open source Office suites include Caligra, Kingsoft's WPS, Office, and only Office. They are all relatively good alternatives to LibreOffice and OpenOffice. And although it's not generally in the Linux repositories, only Office is delivered either as a SaaS, software as a service solution, or as an installation for deployment on a private network, as well as the ability to install it for personal use on your own computer. Almost all of the available open source office suites use a common open document format. The open document format for office applications, ODF, also known as open document, is a published standard file format for spreadsheets, charts, presentations, and word processing documents. It was developed with the aim of providing an open XML-based file format specification for Office applications. And based on Sun Microsystems format for OpenOffice.org, the standard was developed by a technical committee 
in the Organization for Advancement of Structured Information Standards, abbreviated as OASIS, OASIS, and that is a consortium. It was published as an ISO-IEC international standard under the uh, 26300 standard uh, from ISO and IEC. All of that simply means that it's an internationally accepted standard document format. Another internationally accepted document format is Microsoft's Office Open XML. That is not the same as the open document format. It has been accepted by the ECMA International Standard under their standard ECMA-376 and also by ISO-IEC under a different standard than open document. That is ISO-IEC IS 29500-1 2012. This, I think, is the battle of the document standard formats. <laughs> kind of reminds me of the new uh, name for the next version of Windows, the, what, H19-1 or something. <laughs> wow. Ooh, that Things... just uh, comes right off the tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, I'm sure I got it wrong. But, yeah, it was like H19. I mean, it's. I was sitting there and not, my eyes were glazing over while you were go, saying ECMA-376295. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, well, for anybody who's interested – We'll have links to all that stuff in the show notes. And if you're not interested, just ignore the links. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most open source and proprietary office suites will will allow you to open, edit, and save either standard document type as well as many others. Most users have trouble when sharing documents between proprietary products like Microsoft's and open source applications like LibreOffice when the same font is not available in both applications and when the layouts are drastically different. The layout issue is particularly problematic when using graphics as you do in presentation and publishing applications. Oh yes, that is a big <laughs> problem. Where I work uses Microsoft Office uh, for the, or Office 365, I should say. And, um, Everything has to be saved in the Microsoft format because anything else and things break and they just go spastic. So, yeah, trying to do different stuff with different formats doesn't work well sometimes, especially as particularly when they don't have the same fonts. It just doesn't know how to do it sometimes. Yeah, and even with Microsoft Office, the fact that they have so many different versions and each version oh, yeah. seems to have a different kind of format standard um, just saving them between Microsoft Office versions is often a problem as well and in my experience LibreOffice opens displays edits and saves documents in Microsoft Office document format very well Microsoft Office however regardless of the version has trouble consistently displaying and saving in open document format uh, when using the same font in the two different applications, the problem is minimized. So when using Linux and sharing documents with users of Microsoft products, search your software repositories for Microsoft TrueType fonts 
also MSTTF is sometimes what you need to search for, and install those. That'll help a lot. Yeah, there is a caveat. Um, OpenOffice sometimes has problems uh, with uh, Microsoft's um, file formats if they have any like really weird formatting. Sometimes it yes. doesn't doesn't like the weird formatting, but just a caveat. Anyway, yeah, if you if you keep your formatting fairly plain, the compatibility between LibreOffice and Microsoft Office will um, generally take care of itself. But uh, yeah, no guarantees. <laughs> we don't guarantee the product. <laughs> Moving on to something less complex. Email applications, web-based email programs that come from your internet service provider and internet mail systems like Yahoo Mail and Google's Gmail are convenient to use because they allow you to read and send email from any device. The only thing you need to run these is a web browser and an internet connection. Most Linux distributions these days come with an email client pre-installed although you can use an online browser-based uh, email uh, applications regardless of the operating system if you want to reliably create, open, edit, and send emails while offline, you will want to use an installed email client. Some of the most popular open source cross-platform applications available include Mozilla's Thunderbird, Evolution, Geary, SeaMonkey, ClawsMail, Contact, Kmail. Chances are one of these is installed with your choice of Linux, and if not, many will be available in your software repositories. Since you just mentioned browsers, Bill, let's talk about them. Although the first one in this list is not entirely open source, these cross-platform browsers are available for Linux, Windows, macOS, and mobile devices as well. Google's Chrome, Mozilla's Firefox, Brave, Pale Moon, SeaMonkey, yes, that's the same SeaMonkey we mentioned as an email client, Iridium, Kmelion, Otter, and many, many others. An open source version of Chrome called Chromium is also available. It has most of the features of Chrome. Again, this is a partial list, and most desktop Linux versions come with at least one of these browsers installed by default, and others are available in the software repositories. I've heard of Chrome. I've heard of Firefox. I've never heard of Brave. never heard of Pell Moon. Uh, I think I've heard of Iridium, but I've never mm -hmm. heard of K... I'm just going to call it K-Melon. i never heard of that one either. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, Chromium I've used before, so. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it, it's pretty popular amongst those who, who want to use Chrome but don't like proprietary software. Um, oh. And, uh, you know, Chrome is based on open source, but it's not completely open source. So uh, Chromium is a, is a relatively good alternative, although some of the features of Chrome aren't available in Chromium. And Brave is a, a browser that I had never heard of uh, before three or four months ago. And I think it's starting to become more and more popular. Uh, and I'm not exactly sure when it was created, but it seems... You know, like it's like it's popular. So they're being brave. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay. Yeah, that was a poor joke. Anyway, <laughs> we 
We've mentioned email, but communicating across the organization in other ways is also important. For chat, applications such as these are available. HexChat, Pigeon, WeChat, Chatzilla, and Conversation, and that's spelled with a K, and many others. Some other types of chat communications on Linux that are cross-platform, but not necessarily open source, include Skype, Slack, Mattermost, Discord, and Gitter. Well, HexChat is an IRC client. I know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Pigeon, they, it does a bunch of different stuff, but WeChat, is that the I, – I thought that was a closed source. Am I thinking of something uh, different? Maybe so. Um, I found WeChat. I've never used WeChat, quite honestly, but I found it in a list of open source applications. So I'm assuming that the list was accurate. It's possible it it was not. Or maybe you are thinking of something different. Okay. And I've never heard of Mattermost, but we we actually use Discord. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, Discord uses open source codexes. Mm -hmm. Right. So it has or open source components to it, but you're right; it's 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 closed source, from what I understand. But it's a good product. We like it better than Skype. No, oh, for sure. Um, it works, and oh, it it yeah. yeah, it's it's designed for. It was originally designed for gamers, but it's becoming very popular for anybody who needs a a uh, a chat application and a place to have a chat conversation. Mm. Um, you know, many businesses will use Slack for that kind of thing. And Mattermost, to answer your implied question, is a an application that is self-hosted, and I believe it's open source, and it's um, a an, an alternative to Slack. It's very similar to Slack in a lot of ways. What is the... Um... For Slack, I've heard of that. What is Microsoft's version of that? Because uh, that's Slack's used for big companies, isn't it? Whether everybody yeah, can talk. Slack, yeah, Slack. Exactly. So Slack gives and Mattermost give you a um, uh, a conversation thread. Uh, you can have it threaded, or you can have individual topics, very much like Discord does, uh, mm-hmm. except that it's specifically designed for chat, and you can. Uh, include uh, photos or, you know, screenshots or attach okay. files and share information back and forth in, in text as well as other other methods. So it's very, very popular uh, in businesses. Slack is. And, you okay. know, Mattermost gives you that, that uh, more open source version of it that you don't have to... Uh, you don't have to go with closed source software applications, but Slack is available uh, for Linux as well as for um, Windows and Mac. And of course, Skype, you know, Skype for Linux is one of those things that we love to hate. It it functions, but not reliably. And uh, yeah, it's probably in addition to communicating by internet, you know, protocol mm-hmm. voice uh it gives you the the chat functions in there as well uh, now there's another um program i would say if i'm running a business and we're an all microsoft uh company we're thinking about going open source what is the direct comparison not skype but it's a it's a messaging system for groups uh that microsoft uses i can't remember the name oh. of it I think it's Yammer. Is there's, it Yammer? There's, 
Yeah, there's a Yammer. There's there's a Skype for business that includes a chat client as well. Okay. And I don't think they they differentiate that anymore. They, it had a oh, name okay. at one point, but I think they just call it part of Skype for business now. I'm not exactly sure. I know we 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 don't use that at work at all. Um, but one of my clients actually has used it and, and I tried to use it for a while. <laughs> yeah. Not, well, uh, not, yeah. not very friendly. Well, the come now work for uses all, um, they, they've moved to that office 365. Yeah. And so things, yeah. they keep changing the names and incorporating stuff. But anyway, um, not mean to go off the beam, uh, track, uh, but you, I can't remember what that thing's called. Now I want to go make me open my work computer. Go look. Thanks, Larry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, no, you're not. Yeah. Well, you know what? Once uh, Microsoft starts basing Windows on a Linux kernel and starts open sourcing everything that they do, then maybe Skype will work again or whatever replaces it. But uh, that's that will be far a cold future, day. I think. <laughs> I don't know. It seems to be going that way. Anyway, uh, anyway, as as always, when you're looking for any software application to install on Linux, please check your distribution software repositories first. The software repositories are typically managed, maintained, and updated by the distributions maintainers and are variably referred to as the software catalog, the software library, the software center, software sources, or simply software repositories. These repositories contain almost all of the full-featured free and open-source software that's been tested for installation on your particular Linux distribution, and likely its derivatives as well, and they won't put malware on your computer. In future episodes, we'll be looking at software for specific types of businesses and workers like authors, DJs, radio stations, retail operators, and more. Check out the show notes for a preview of some of the categories of software we might be covering. And, uh, you know, Larry, we, uh, we were looking at the radio station. There's a whole bunch of open source radio station, which was kind of funny because, uh, uh, well, I didn't think it would have something, but they actually have, uh, some pretty, uh, sophisticated software. And, uh, I, wow, it's going to be interesting, but I, didn't think we had a lot with retail operations. Yeah, there are a few out there. Uh, a few really? open source applications for retail for retail companies. Hmm. Um, and we'll talk about them if we can find enough of them to make you know make it into the episode. Uh, I and we'll do some more research on it, of course, before diving into that. But there will be other areas like podcasting and yeah. lots podcasting of different things we can good. get into here. Yeah, I think we might know something about that. Yeah. Just make sure they have names that don't have 52 uh, alphanumeric letters, and I think we'll be okay. I uh, can't guarantee that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's try to stay away from the letter K, all right? <laughs> okay. Get it? Okay? I got it, all right. yes. Okay. Good stuff. Anyway, our next episode will be a listener feedback episode. Until then, you can go to our website at goinglinux.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We are the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done.
And if you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Links Podcast Google Plus community. Until next time, thanks for listening. 73. Music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.